What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Training Table Podcast. I am your host, Kenny King, and will be joined shortly by my co-host, James Jimmy 3 Tech Kindred. We're going to be talking with Coach Brenston Buckner, formerly of the Oakland Raiders and now with the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to be talking a little bit about football, a little bit about life, and a little bit about what's going on in the world today. But first and foremost, first things I want to do is I want to get into some news that's going on around the league. The big news today is the trade that the Jacksonville Jaguars have made with the Minnesota Vikings for Yannick Ngakwe. They have traded Yannick Ngakwe for a second-round pick in the 2021 draft and a conditional fifth-round selection in 22. That also means that Yannick will be on a one-year contract, and he actually ended up taking a pay cut to go to Minnesota. He took $5 million less to take that move to Minnesota to get out of Duval. Now, we've seen a lot of things happening over there. They got rid of Jalen Ramsey a year, year ago. Uh, they just released Leonard Fournette this year as well. Uh, the Jaguars are essentially cleaning house, starting over, rebuilding from scratch. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with them across the board. West, we look at the Los Angeles Chargers, where star safety Derwin James has torn the meniscus in his right knee. Instead of having a simple repair, he will actually go through a full reconstruction and will be out for six to eight months as he's rehabilitating that knee. That should put him out for the majority of the season, if not the whole season, and we expect him to see him back on the field in the 2021 season. The Kansas City Chiefs have also signed their head coach, Andy Reid, and their general manager, Brett Veach, to a six-year extension. So it looks like we're stuck with Mahomes, Veach, and Reid, and... Travis Kelsey for a very, 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 very long time. Thank goodness the Raiders have bolstered that defense and adding in some guys like Corey Littleton and Nick Wachowski to cover tight ends and guys that we were talking about on the defensive line later with Brunson Buckner. But also the Raiders have made a move and they they made a trade for Raekwon McMillan, linebacker out of Miami. Excited about this move. I think he brings a lot of tenacity to the defense. He is a great run stopper. Not fantastic against the pass, but he will not be used mostly in passing situations. He's a two-down linebacker. He's used for the run stopping. He'll be playing the Sam role. The Raiders' defense is really set up to run a base defense with two linebackers in it, so you'll see you'll see McMillan in there in run situations. And in a corresponding move, the Raiders have released cornerback Prince of Mukamura, a Mukamura who was brought in late in the offseason after the Eli Apple signing fell through, has now been released and is free to go to any team that he chooses. All right, guys, we are back, and I've got my co-host James, Jimmy 3 Tech Kendrick on. James, what is up, brother? What's up, brother? Hey, man, you know, it's a great day. It's a beautiful day. Uh, the weather's finally getting a little bit better. The smoke is clearing. And speaking about smoke clearing, I wanted to save this topic for you. I was just going through the news here, and I was talking about everything that's going around the league. But I wanted to tell you, you know, we've got one of our own that are finally going to get into the hall. And that's Coach Flores, uh, former head coach of the Oakland and Los Angeles Raiders, two-time Super Bowl champion, first Latino head coach to win a Super Bowl, and first wild card coach to win a Super Bowl. How are you feeling about that, brother? Uh long overdue long overdue i mean my my thing is it's got to be the trifecta kind of night because honestly i mean sir charles woodson uh it will be going into canton this this spring and who better to be there with charles is coach woodson the only person that we're missing to be there with them is is willie brown 
And yeah. just by chance, I'm rocking my Soul Patrol T-shirt tonight. Just by just by chance, literally. And I'm drinking a little Intercept, a little Pick Six wine going on. There you go. So, uh, literally, it's a red wine kind of night. And, I mean, you celebrate with some red wine. And it's long overdue. I mean, Coach Flores, the accolades that he's he has, first minority head coach to win a Super Bowl. I mean, Coach Dungy, great coach. Mad respect for him. But it was a little bit of a snub, like a popularity snub, because – you know, Dungy got in before Flores. What, what's your thought on that? Well, it's funny that you mentioned Coach Dungy getting in before Flores because now Coach Dungy is part of the selection committee. So I think that, you know, Coach Dungy being one of the top minority coaches of all time, uh, getting in before Flores, I know that he's always been, you know, a staunch, a staunch supporter of Flores getting in. I think that this adds to that push. But I think the other thing that adds to the push is the fact that Coach Flores is the only coach on the selection list this year. So he is the only coach on the coaches list. I mean, this seems like it should be a no-brainer. We know how Raider Nation has been snubbed in the past, so it's one of those things where we can't say it's a lock until his name is announced and that bronze statue is there and oh. somebody's up there announcing him. But I tell you right now, we will be there in yes. full force. I already know that I'll be there. I talked yeah. to my dad. We'll be we will there. be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, 100%. You know, that's that's how I feel about it. I think that, you know, the everything that he's contributed to this game, uh, everything that Al Davis has contributed to this game uh, and bringing in Coach Flores, bringing in the diversity and the leadership roles uh, with not only Coach Flores, but with Art Shell, with Amy Trask, uh, all of those all play into the Raider way and, and what it does. So it'll be very nice to see the Raiders represented by Coach Flores in Canton. Absolutely. I mean, Coach Flores epitomizes everything that Al Davis put out on the field. I mean, even even our GM, Ron Wolf at the time, which who, you know, got in as well. And, you know, uh, Reggie McKenzie, who some love and some, you know, dislike, he studied under Mr. Wolf as well. So but it's just an amazing thing. I mean, I know for years, you know, we've we've, you know, cha championed getting Flores in, not to mention Stabler. I mean, another big one is, I mean, Speed Kills. Speed Kills needs to be in there, too, who has amazing stats. But to get back to get back on that, but this is one of those things where, I mean, I have mad respect, much love for, for Coach Flores. He, he, I feel like he's a part of my family. I know that he, he and his family consider I'm fortunate to be part of theirs. And it's one of those things where every year, you know, he gets right. He just gets squeaked past. And this year, hopefully he gets that and he's earned it. I mean, he is absolute his statistics and what he's contributed to this league and the growth of this league. He's absolutely earned it, in my opinion. No doubt. No doubt. I, I absolutely believe that as well. Uh, while we're on the topic of coaches, we've got a guest coming in tonight. Uh, great guest. Uh, he's a longtime Raider fan. He was a longtime player. Uh, we're going to have him on next. And so everybody stay tuned. I'm going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back uh, with our guest, Coach Brenston Buckner.
All right, guys, welcome back. We have with us fan favorite of HBO's Hard Knocks entering his 10th year coaching in the NFL, 11-year NFL veteran, boasting 425 tackles, 31 sacks, and two interceptions, former defensive lineman coach of the Oakland Raiders and now defensive line coach of the Arizona Cardinals, Coach Brenston Buckner. Coach Buck, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on. You know, uh, I was a big fan of yours when you were a player, a big fan of yours when you were a coach of the Raiders. Obviously, you made a huge impact on the team, on the fans. Uh, tell us a little bit about your time in Oakland. Uh, time, it was great, actually. You know, first of all, getting a chance to coach for a franchise like the Oakland Raiders, you know, one of the pillars you know, of the NFL, growing up being a, a Raider fan, uh, having my uh, godfather actually play for the Raiders, and, you know, a lot of my best friends, Chester McLaughlin, my best friends from college, uh, played yeah. there, was drafted there. Uh, Mo Collins, who was one of my better friends after retirement, you know, played there. So having the chance to wear the silver and black on the sideline, you know, it, it, it was a lifetime dream of mine. Yeah, absolutely. And you wore it well. You know, you, you definitely, uh, you know, being a fan of the Raiders, being somebody who's been around, um, you know, been around the team, been around the Raider culture, you embodied that spirit. You embodied the, you know, the true definition of, of a Raider and once a Raider, always a Raider. Um, you know, myself, obviously my dad played for the Raiders. And so I've, I've been around the team for a while. Uh, James has, has spent a significant amount of time around the team, uh, having family members uh, that have been part of the team, as well as being part of the team himself is in the front office. Uh, James, you have anything that you, you, you'd like to ask? Well, absolutely, Coach. I mean, we both share something. I mean, my godfather played on the D-line. Who, who, who was your godfather? Otis Fishtrunk. Oh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> from, from the University of Mars. Oh, University absolutely. of Mars, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> and mine was mine was John Matuzak. So both just Oh wow. Absolute, right? Just, you know, yeah. I learned so much from that man and just not just off the field, <laughs> but on the field too. So <laughs> I mean, just that that's an awesome commonality. Yes, it, it is. You know, and the thing about the Raiders back then, they was they was just so like I want to say they was they were so Fear, but glorified, like, you know, people like, oh, they're scared of the Raiders, but, oh, I wouldn't mind want to be one. And I, you know, uh, when Otis would come back home to Columbus, Georgia, and, you know, sit around my dad and, and tell the stories and, you know, show off his Super Bowl ring, uh, you know, it was like, it was like larger than life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 was, it was larger than life. And, you know, just growing up and just, just watching, just watching the Raiders and everything they embody, you know, Lyle, uh, Lyle Isaiah, you know, it was always like a band of misfits. Like Al Davis said, hey, I'm going to go get all the rough players I can get, the ones that people say they don't want, and they're going to come together and they're going to they're gonna create magic together. And, you know, and, and, and that's, what it, that's, that's what it was. And, you know, I even, uh, you know, people laugh at me all the time because I'm from Georgia, South Georgia, and I was a Raiders fan, you know, I remember getting disqualified from the state track meet because I went, I went take off my Raiders T-shirt. I competed <laughs> in my Raiders T-shirt and, and got disqualified. And, you know, I had to go to the Georgia State Board, uh, an athletic board, and, and appeal the division, you know, you know, just to win. But that's how big a Raiders fan, you know, you know I, I was. And me and a couple of my buddies, you know, we just, we just grew up. Now, you thought we was from L.A. or Oakland at the time with the rate of gear that we had. 
Oh. Man, that's that's awesome. You know, I think that, you know, that's that's a great story because it's, you know, that's the thing with Raider Nation is we're not just in Oakland. We're not just in L.A. I mean, you know, we talk about Otis Centro University of Mars. And, you know, one of the things that I always say is the Raiders could play on Mars and I'd still be a Raider fan. You know, it's not about <laughs> where they're at. It's not about where you're from. It's about being wearing that silver and black and being part of Raider Nation. And you're absolutely right. You know, Raider Nation is a band of misfits. We're crazy. Uh, we're nutty. We're, you know, the criminal element. Everything that they've said about it is is true. And, you know, we embody that. We love it. Yeah, it, it, it really is. You know, I remember, you know, I, could, I played across the bay for the 49ers for three years. Mm-hmm. And I would, on bye weeks, if the Raiders had a home game, I would go to the Raiders' home game. And you know, just just hang out at the you know hang out at the stadium, and I was friends with Charlie Garner and and you know, like I said, Mo Collins and those guys, and mm-hmm. it was just something about those Raiders. It was like no matter what year it was, they they they, they moved like a you know like you said, they moved like a game, like they moved in a pack. No matter where you came from, once you put that silver and black on, it's just like your persona changed. And yeah. so I remember when Charles Wilson got drafted. You know, he was this. You know, close knit, uh, you know, just young, naive guy coming out of Michigan. Two years later, I'm like, that's a Raider. You know what I mean? He like, he looks like Raider. No one of the greatest D backs ever, but you can just see the whole persona change. The first book I ever bought was they called me the Assassin. You know, Jack Tatum. You know what I mean? I bought that book as a child and read it. I think I probably read it about thirty times. I actually had my son read it once he got to the age to play football. But the Raiders just you know, it's just everything synonymous with it. You know, you you spill over into the Star Wars, the motorcycle games, the skull and crossbone. My favorite nickname of all time is Dr. Death. You know, that's yeah. just that's just a, that's the greatest nickname of, 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 of all time. And, and, you know, having a chance to come out there and, and be a part and be a part at the old facility and then at the stadium being a part of the last game. You know, I just like, man, I had to be good sometime in my life because God let one of my dreams come true. <laughs> yeah, and you know, one of the things about being part of that that last team in Oakland, uh, you had a very talented young defensive line. I think that, you know, we – the Raiders have always prided themselves on having a great D-line and have always had some great stars at D-line, Howie Long, John Matuzak, Otis Sistrunk, Reggie Kinlaw. You know, guys like that, you know, even even guys later on in their career where you have a Chester McLaughlin, you've got a Sam Adams. Uh, you know, you were very fortunate to have, you know, two rookie defense events come in uh, and Max Crosby and Cleveland Farrell. You had Jonathan Hankins. You had Big Mo Hurst. Uh, tell me a little bit about those guys and what excites you about what they're going to do in this league. Well, uh, first of all, let's talk about uh, Clee and Max, you know, being two rookies who when I was there, we we was trying to redefine the defensive line and, and get back to the to the glory days of two guys coming off the edge that mm. that fed off one another. Yeah, uh, you know, Cle- Cleveland is you know I know he got a lot of flack, but you know it, it takes time to be a to become a professional football player craft wise. But he embodies what what it takes hard work and never complains. You know, super smart, wanting to be coached. You know, a lot of people get confused with college, with college success and think it's carry over to the NFL. No, it's, it's like learning a brand new language all over again. You know what I mean? It, it takes some time of making mistakes and getting better. But but Clee, Clee was a great pick. But Max, Max was that guy that when you saw him, 
he's like, he don't look extremely big. He don't do this right, but he is super productive. And right. you talking about somebody born to be a Raider? That's, that's Max Crosby. <laughs> Max with two X. No doubt. You know, he, he was born to be a Raider. And those two guys right there, I know for me, you know, I fell in love with them in the draft process because of uh, I could just envision them in silver and black and really bringing that defensive line back to where it needed to be. Two young guys that could grow together for the next six to ten years, and you got two cornerstones. But then you throw in Mo Hurst, yeah. a guy that we all know his story, you know, could have been a top ten pick, but what happened at the combine with the little illness? Heart. But then he, the he starts – yeah, the heart issue, he – he started to come into his own, and Mo is so talented. You know, he, 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 he's so talented. And he's, he's another one of those Raiders where you see him talking, he's soft-spoken, but then yeah. he hits that switch or something happened to him, and he turns into an animal. <laughs> and, you know, he, he, he's, you know, and he's super yes. explosive. But, but Mo is still, you know, the good thing about those guys, those guys are still young. They're still developing. You know, Mo Hurst is going to be, a different player three years from now because he has so much talent he just hadn't mm. tapped into yet, and he's still he's still growing. and And Hankins was was a guy. He was a classic Raiders get, a guy who made a name for himself in New York, got the big money in uh, Indy. Indy, oh no, you're not that good. And then he signs on with the Raiders and he recreates himself because he fits. And the, the thing I like about Hank, you know, even though he looks like just a big nose guard, he's a super athletic. You know, big man who plays hard all the all the all the time, and and you know, posted him last year, and I told him, I said, man, I like don't don't ever let nobody conform you to just being a space eater. You know, be a disruptive <laughs> force in there because that's yeah. that's what you can do. He remind me of, I mean, when the Raiders signed Jerry Ball in the early '90s. That's yeah. who Hank reminds me of a bigger person, quick first step, powerful. You know, can yeah. rush the passer, but can stop the run. I said, man, you have to be the glue because he will, he's even though he's only 28, 27, he's the oldest guy of the whole group. I said, I'm like, and you could be the linchpin to hold this group together, but I'm super excited for where they can go. You know, I was just – I was there to help lay the foundation. You know, these guys are going to be so much better this year because they're a year older. They've seen more. They know what to expect, and, and they got one hell of a coach. And uh, Marinelli coming in, so it, it's going to be exciting to see what they do. Yeah, no doubt. How about your st- How about your boys there in Arizona, Coach? I mean, what what what's got you know what's lighting the fire there for for the D line there in Arizona? Uh, the, the the thing here uh, for them is getting back to what it was before I left. You know, uh, you know, it's a young group of, of, of guys you know, who are who are coming in and trying to rebuild this thing from ground zero. And I, I tell the guys, just like I told them in Oakland, you know, a lot of people, you know, you, I use this analogy. Everybody drives through neighborhoods and see pretty houses and talk about the builder. Oh, the architect, the builder was great. And the most important person in building the house is the guy that lays the foundation. Exactly. You know, if that, if that foundation is – is messed up. It's one inch off, or it, it, the cement doesn't settle right. I don't care how pretty the house is; it's going to collapse. And like I told the guys in Oakland, like I might just be here to lay the foundation, and somebody else might come along and build a house. But the foundation is laid right; it can last forever. And that's what we're doing here in Arizona. What gets me excited: these are a bunch of young guys who don't know what they don't know, 
And, you know, and I come back into a place where I had success, my first coaching job, and I had success here, you know, coaching Calais Campbell, Frosty Rucker, Darnell Dockett, you know, Chandler Jones for uh, uh, two years before I got a left left here. Uh, but now I come back in and I can pull from those memories and, and those guys respect that. And, and they're accepting the challenge of being that foundation. And, you know, having a young group, they keep me young. You know what I mean? So I always have to be energetic when I show up to work every day because they, they're, eager, they're eager to learn. And they always ask, how did you do it in Oakland? How did Oakland go, you know, get so good? I'm like, they, they put in hard work. i like, and what we did, we developed a trust. I like they trust they trust me to know that I was was in it for them and I had to trust them to to allow them to be a part of it of, of what we was gonna do was gonna be special. So right now we're building that trust through training camp and the guys really got me excited because they're jumping at the bit for the season to start. That's awesome. Yeah, that's all. I mean, you, you talk about Chandler Jones, and I think that Chandler Jones is one of those guys that doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. He's been the top sack leader year over year, year after year. He was phenomenal when he was in New England. He's been phenomenal lights out in Arizona. He's a top five defensive end in my eyes, and he's one of those guys that constantly, constantly, consistently flies under the radar under you know the national publications. And you know he's he's a guy that definitely commands commands a lot more respect. Uh, he's a guy that is very disruptive in the league, and he's a guy that I've always been excited to watch. Um, tell me your excitement about coaching him this year after getting back, uh, after working with him for a few years. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited because he's he's even gotten better since the last time I was here. And, you know, and Chandler is a, is a consummate pro. You know, he's always working on his craft. The one thing that I admire about Chandler is he knows exactly the type of rusher he is. He doesn't mm-hmm. listen to guys, oh, you can, you got to win with speed or you got to win with power. Chan knows who he is, and he works on it every day. And, he, and, he's, and he's so super smart that if he does get blocked in practice or he make a mistake, he, he immediately diagnoses what he did wrong. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't go to the point where the offensive lineman blocked me, uh, I got to change. No, he, he takes so much pride in being a perfectionist. He's like, it's something I had to do wrong. Maybe my footwork was wasn't right. My eyes were in the wrong place. But he comes to work, you know, he's always smiling. And he's a kid at heart, but he plays hard. You know, people don't understand. He he played the Sam linebacker position last year and had 19 sacks. And the Sam Ooh, dropped right. 35% of the time. So, and, 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 and he's a home run hitter. He don't need a whole bunch of at-bats to get a hit. You know what I mean? He's going to go two for three or three for three every game he, he he goes out there. And that's the great thing about him. And, you know, just getting back and catching him in his prime, which I think he's just now hitting, you know, it's going to be good. But it's going to be good also to – because he's going to make life easier for those young guys, you know, yeah. because he's going to draw the attention. He's going to draw the attention. It's going to allow my young guys to have success early, and then they could be able to carry the load, you know, with him. That's awesome. I mean, that I'm going to go right field on this. I mean, out of out of all the teammates or people in your life, coach, who who was the one person that pushed you to where you got today? Uh, probably uh, all the teammate wise or just life in general. 
my life in general was was my either my dad or my mom. You know what I mean? You know, when I was nine years old, I told my dad I wanted to be a professional football player. You know, at nine. Couldn't play football because I was too big. But I wanted to be a professional <laughs> football player, so it was, you know, it was I was too big for my age group, and he didn't want me to play yeah. up, uh, you know, because I was going to play with the thirteen-year-olds at nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and when I when I told him I wanted to be a professional football player, his main focus then was to guide me toward everything I needed, you know, and and you know him, my mom, my mom making sure that you no, know, she was always at the game, my dad. You know, even when I couldn't play, I got a brand new football uniform and equipment every summer. And he taught me every position. Now, I knew how to snap the ball, I knew how to play offensive line, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, defensive back. And he just – he made me become a fan of the game because we would sit and watch it and he would quiz me on, you know, who was this guy? What did he do good? What did he didn't do good? Did you watch this game? And so I, I got a greater appreciation for the game. So as I played it, I played it as a fan, like living the dream. Yeah. You know what I mean? So so I saw it from a diff, different eyes. And, and I always, when I played, I was just like, you know, as a fan, I always want to leave the game with more than just, leave and watch the game with more than just, oh, my team won and my team lost. I want I want an experience. And so when I played and I trained and I got ready, I, that's the way I played. I wanted to give the fans an experience, something they could take home other than a program. And so then that, that pushed me. That pushed me throughout my career, and it just kept it just kept me going. It just it just kept, it just kept me going. Me and my dad would talk every game from high school, from junior high, high school, college, pros. Even when I was coaching, every day you go into the game, you know, after the game, how did it go? What did you see? What you think you need to work on this and those type things that embedded in me that, that I got to be my best every time I go out there. Right. So you knew as well. I had a dad like that as well blessed to have a dad like that where you know dang well that i could deal i could go film i can be in the film room with coaches all day i did not want to be in film room with my dad that night yeah. right <laughs> and right i mean it was like you know coach you'd be easy i gotta go to bed at night i gotta be in the same house with this guy right but <laughs> it was crazy right? you know i i, I, I could <laughs> i could have games in high i remember having games in high school I remember I had one game in high school. I had seven sacks, and you know I'm on top oh, of the world. You know, yeah. people talk about how great I am, and all my dad could talk about was the three I missed. Ooh, that's all, yeah. he, that's all he could talk about <laughs> was the three I missed, and 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 he would wake me up in the morning that week, and I had to run heels uh, and missing those three sacks. You know, ooh. you know what I mean. And so, but it, it was a great, it was that a father son type bonding oh. that you get through sports that that that's priceless. I mean, Jerry Rice has a similar story about, you know, his dad's dad was a Mason and used to throw mm-hmm. bricks. Right. And that's how Jerry mm-hmm. created his craft with timing and, and good hands. But just just to retouch on this real quick, the exact same thing you just talked about with your mom and your dad. And that's all laying foundation. And that's the same yeah. thing. That's your coaching style. And that's what I that's the one thing I think the the fans and just the league. We love that. I mean, and mm-hmm. ex guys that were in the trench like you, that that's that foundation. We love that, you know. Yes, and uh, and, and that, that's my my coaching style. When when I when I got into coaching, I said, "What kind of coach I wanted to be?" You know, I've been with the guy that was a a yellow screamer but didn't care about you. I've been with the guy that was a quiet guy and didn't do anything. 
and he cared, but he couldn't coach anything. So I wanted to be a mixture of both. And a lot of people like to say players coach. I don't think I'm a players coach. I think I'm a truth teller. And I tell all my guys, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. If you're doing a great job, I'm going to say you're doing a great job. If you're doing a horrible job, I'm going to tell you you're doing a horrible job. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to leave any black and white out there. I'm not going to leave anything for guests because, you know, football is a tough sport. Being a professional yes. athlete is a tough sport. I've seen guys on teams just, you know, they, they just think they're having a great camp and the coach is patting them on the back, and then you get the cuts. And this guy's crying. He saw it because he don't understand because the coach hadn't told him, well, you know, you messed up a couple of days. You should have been doing this better. So when I said the coach, I wanted to be truthful with my guys. I want them, I want them to know I'm gonna be honest with them. And and I, and I think you heard me say on the show, it's never about you as personally. It's all about your football. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I I love my guys. You know, I do anything. If any guy I ever coach could call me right now and say they need they need anything, and I'm gonna break my leg trying to give it to them. But I'm also going to break my leg trying to be totally honest with them, too, because that's why I think that we all need. Because for me, it's not about giving you stuff that's going to help you on the football field. I'm trying to help you become a better husband, a better father, a better uncle, a better brother. And, and it's all built off honesty because if a person can't trust you, then how can they really love you and be there for you? So I try to build that trust with my guys through just honesty. And I always tell them, if it's ever a day, you come in here to work, and I'm not giving you enough. Be honest with me. No, come yeah. tell me or help me. Challenge me to be a good coach. Make me go home and watch film and and research stuff because you you want to be fed more. And once 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 you get that feeling inside the room, I can say what I want to to them. They can say what they want to to me. But at the end of the day, we walk out the door. We're 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 like we're like brothers because you know we all got family members and we don't all get along. We all say some stuff, you know, that that when we're mad or we try to make a point but at the end of the day, we'll stand toe to toe and fight anybody. And that's the kind of culture I try to build inside my defensive line room. And I think that's one of the biggest things is, is building that culture and having having those guys that you know are gonna have your back and having players that you know that you're gonna go to bat for and that's your brothers. You know, that I, I said something on, on Twitter one day talking about, you know, what's going on in the world today. And, and it really reigns true that if everybody in the world just spent 15 minutes inside a, a, of a football locker room, a lot of problems could be solved because yeah. when you get in the <laughs> locker room, you get those pads on. It, it, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, anything. It, it doesn't matter. It, it's a brotherhood. And I think that that's one of the things is we go out there and we fight for people. We fight for our brothers. We fight for the man next to you, right? You always say, look at the eye, look in the eyes of the man next to you. And that's mm -hmm. the person you're fighting for. Now, coach, transitioning a little bit, uh, you know, we talk about the foundations. We talk about, you know, setting that ground. Your son, uh, you've been building a foundation with him and he's now going to Oregon. How's, how's that looking for him with, you know, everything that's happening with the Pac-12? Uh, how are his trainings going? How how's that looking out? It's, it's, it's looking good. He's been he's he's been blessed, but it's something he's worked for. You no, know, because just like I told my father at at that age that that's what I wanted to do. That's that's what he told me, and I used to tell my wife, I'm never gonna force him to play sports. I want him to come ask me to play sports, and he's gonna have to ask yeah. me three or four times because now I'm gonna know he's really. He's really wanting to go out there and do the things it is to be to be good, to be great at it. And that's what he's he he's done. And um 
Now, he's been blessed to play for a good high school here in Arizona in Chandler High School. And, um, you know, Oregon actually was the first school that offered him. You know, he had other offers, but at the end of the day, he was like, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm truly loyal to the person who loved me first. He like yeah. Oregon came in and, and um, they showed me love and 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 from day one it was like this is a committable offer you know it's gonna be here until you say you don't you don't you don't want it and you know he went to he went up there a couple of times and you know he met the coaches and he liked the atmosphere I liked the atmosphere there and it's been great you know with COVID and stuff going on we really I turned I turned the uh, garage into a gym when everything closed down so. And I wasn't allowed to go into the building as a coach, so he became my he became my my pupil. And you know, I, so we trained together, we lived, and I was able to you know work on technique stuff with him because you know I just practiced coaching on him. He practiced getting coached for me, and um, and then the things in Arizona have started to turn around. They're actually um, formally kicking off their season. Their first game is October the second. They moved everything back, but right now. At the high school level, they're practicing and you know getting in shape. But but he's been training the whole year, and he's he's excited about having his senior year and you know getting ready to, uh, to go play. He's a preseason USA Today All American, and you know so he's starting to see all this hard work, you know no no come true. And and, he, and his whole thing is he's like, Dad, I just want to be better than who I was yesterday. And that's that's his approach, and that's that's the way we that's the way we go at it. I was like, you can't make the same mistakes. Make new mistakes the next day, and yeah. and and he uh and he attacks his schoolwork the same way, and you know because it gives a lot of pressure from his sister because his sister that's that's two years older. She's a volleyball player at Oregon State, um, and she's so on him. Then his, his older sister is uh, in uh, medical school at University of Pitt. So he has wow. he has a lot of pressure. He has a lot of pressure on, but you know, you know, he competes and he handles handle, handles it well, and he's just excited. I'm excited for him. That's exciting. I mean, it, it's really exciting, you know, to see to see your kids out there living out their dreams. You know, obviously having one daughter in medical school, medical school, one daughter playing volleyball, your son going to Oregon. Uh, you get to see your kids live out their dreams. You're living out your dream continuously. Uh, you know, Coach, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up pretty quickly, but I wanted to end this on kind of a, a funny note. You know, I know that one of the big things on uh, on the show was you and the defensive line always had gummy bears. And, you know, we watched, <laughs> watched we saw Trent Brown, big Trent Brown of the offensive line, devour a fruit by the foot in less than 15 seconds. <laughs> Who on the defensive line ate the most gummy bears? And who would give Trent a run for his money? Well, it, it is so funny that the guy that ate the most gummy bears on the D line was one of the smallest ones. It was Benson Mayor. Really? So he, <laughs> he he kept a couple gummy bears. It was like they. It's like he had an addiction to them, and and he he would eat them. And and then also Vontez Burfick. We would catch him in the room every day. You know, getting half a bag. Like just take the whole bag, Vontez. Don't get out of it. Just take, you know, and those gummy bears have like a dick distaste to them, but Benson Mayo in the defensive line room, when it comes to gummy bears, he would give Trent Brown a run for his money because <laughs> I, I told you, you, you got an extremely sweet tooth because it would be 5.45 a.m. in the morning and he'll have a couple gummy bears. I'm thinking, you know, they're drinking coffee or, or orange juice. He's eating gummy bears. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was crazy, but those were some great times. Yeah, one real quick though. 
on away games, we always had Chick-fil-A for catering, right? Yes. And Kinder's would show up on Fridays for home games. So who mm-hmm. was who was always out there first? No, believe it or not, it's probably the coaches. <laughs> the coaches, <laughs> the coaches were there first. You know what I mean? Because coaches, you know, when you work for John, you you put in so many hours, and you look for anything to spoil yourself. And we look forward for the Chick Fil A to be there, and coaches would sprint off the field and, and go get the Chick Fil A before the players even got the shower. You know, coaches, you know, because that, that was our, like, soothing food. It was like that pamper me day. So the coaches yeah. were all the way out, 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 out there first. Kenny, it, it it ruined you. Like, you can't go to Chick-fil-A <laughs> now and expect that service. Like, you're like, oh, I, I just want to walk in, throw, like, 15 <laughs> pounds on the tray and leave. Right? Oh, I heard, I heard, I heard stories about Donald Penn at the training table. <laughs> oh, deep. Donald, I remember – snagging a shrimp off donald penn's fajita and it was it was it was pretty it was classic (laughs) it was pretty dang funny but yeah no it's this is this has been blessed we're we're glad to have you on coach i appreciate it man you know like i said uh coaching for the Raiders last year was like a dream come true you know i mean that's one that's one of my one of my things i can check off my to-do list before I check up out of here, and then it was great. And I'm excited. Like, I tell those guys all the time, we talk, I'm like, I'm not your coach, but I'm still a fan of you, yours. And I, I'm, I'm happy to see those guys grow and, you know, and, and get better. I'm going to wish them all the success until, until they have to play us. I have to uh, channel that down a little bit. But it's been my, you know, Raider Nation was great. It was everything I thought it was it was going to be. You know, from the from the costumes at the game, how dark it is, just the loyalty, you know, coming out of the facility of Alameda and fans just out there lying in the street, just wanting to get a glimpse of you know, their beloved Raiders. So I just appreciate my time there and I salute Raider Nation. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. We we yeah, we I mean we appreciate you. We appreciate everything that you've done for the Raiders, you know, obviously being part of a Raider Nation, once a Raider, always a Raider. Uh, except for Randy Moss, of course. Uh, but you know, we we definitely we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on. Uh, wish you the best of luck this season. Wish your defensive line the best of luck this season. You guys have a really exciting young team. Uh, Kyler Murray is electrifying. I'm excited to see what he does in year two. Uh, and you guys are playing in a tough division, but it looks like you guys can have some success. So I'm excited to see what you guys can do. I'm excited to see what your line does this year. Uh, but, you know, once again, thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you very much, John and Joe. And we'd love right, to have you back on later, too. All right. Y'all got the number. It won't change. Hit me up anytime. <laughs> You got it, Coach. Thanks, Coach. All right, Coach.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.